Good morning. <laughs> um, my printer wasn't working, so I'm going to have to go off my laptop, which feels a bit, a bit silly, but anyway, we'll roll with it. So I just wanted to share this morning um, a little bit about response and things that I've learned through the last season um, <clears throat> in my life about how to respond when the word comes into the house. And who here really feels like God is speaking and building something into the church at the moment? Yep, I do. I've just felt like all year God's just been building and layering up something. And there's like a real expectancy, I think, in the church for, for what God is wanting to do in this house and in this city. And so these are some of the things that I've really found um, helpful when I'm navigating a season where I feel like God's speaking and that he's looking for a specific response. Because sometimes we can find certain seasons very frustrating because we're doing what we feel is the right thing to do or perhaps we're doing what we've always done and we're frustrated because something isn't quite clicking. And so I wanna give a few keys this morning. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about the word um, the word has a few different facets. So the first is the written word of God, so the scripture. The other, another facet is the revealed word of God. So that's what, we, what God reveals to us personally and what he reveals to us corporately. And then another facet, which is probably what I'm gonna speak mainly about this, this morning, is the prophetic word of God. So when God comes and he gives a specific word over your life or over a church, over a city. That is called the prophetic word of God. <clears throat> so the, all of the different facets of the word, they have one thing that they're trying to do in our life, and that is to build maturity and to grow us up, to grow us up in Christ. So the mark of a Christian should be a life that is changing and growing and getting stronger and being renewed. That is the mark of a, a real true Christian, of true Christianity. And I just wanna ask, can you see marked growth in your life over time? I think if everyone stopped and thought about it, you could look back and see things that God has done and built into your life over time. Would that be right? Yep. How long ago can you remember when you look back where you felt that was a defining point in my journey? Five months? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Is that when you came here? Five minutes. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> That's amazing. So the time between those moments in our life shouldn't be years and years and years. We should be able to look back and see, hey, God did something to me in that season and I've grown and I've matured. God laid something into my life in that season, I've grown and I've matured. So a couple of scriptures, just so you know, I'm speaking the truth. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a, ch a child. Does anyone have children? How funny how kids reason. They are the best reasoners in the world, the best negotiators. So when we are children, we are like this. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. We're meant to mature. 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour. To him be the glory both now and in, and in the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in the grace and knowledge. So we need to be growing. We need to be maturing. 
Pastor Brian's been talking about leadership. The quickest way to develop leadership is to develop your response. How we respond when the word comes is so important to our growth. Our response, our response, it has to go from hearing to listening to the word to receiving the word in our heart and allowing us it to transform us in our life and in our city. So hearing, the definition of hearing is the faculty of perceiving sound. That we all have the, what most of us have the ability, the gift to hear. My mum's got hearing aids. And it's really funny because it took a long time for her to realise that she needed hearing aids. And the day she finally went and she had a hearing test and they said, yes, your hearing's actually really bad in this ear. She came home and she was saying, oh, it's been so frustrating. And my dad said, oh, I know. (laughs) And he was like, it's been so frustrating, Yvonne, for all of us. But we all have the ability to hear. Listening, the definition of listening is the act of giving attention to a sound. It's important that we go from hearing to listening. When the word comes, we can hear it, but are we listening to it? John C. Maxwell, if anyone's ever read any of his stuff, he writes amazing books on leadership and development. Something he says is that our choices and response, it's our choices and our response that shape us far more than our ability ever will. So far more than my gifts and my talents, though they be many, and though your talents be many, and though your gifts be many, but far more than those things that will ever shape us and ever grow us into our potential is our choices and our responses. They're so important. So my personal experience of the prophetic word is that sometimes we have words spoken over our life or over our church And it's like it hovers in the atmosphere over you. Have you ever experienced that? Where you felt like a word hovering sort of over your life. And I have a book. It's um, just a little journal that I write down words that God has given me, things that people have prophesied over me, things that God's speaking to me about. If I open that journal up and I look back and I read through the words that I, that I read and I know, I have seen that happen in my life. Those are the ones when I haven't just heard it, but I've really listened to what God is saying in that. And then I've begun to position my life in a way that those words can actually come and start to change me. Because so often I think sometimes we write down a word and we look at it, but we don't actually take the next step of beginning to transfer, transfer it into our life and into our heart. So... Receiving the word. Sorry, I'm going fast because I just want to get through this in a quick time. The word is a seed and the seed has a nature and that seed is conditioned to produce something in you. I'm a florist. I know that when I buy tulips, they have come from a tulip seed. There is no other seed that can produce a tulip. There is no other seed that can produce an apple tree except that of an apple seed. So every seed has a nature and it is conditioned to produce after itself, after its nature. We're going to look at the parable of the sower. So in Matthew chapter 13, so verses three to nine, 
Behold, a sower came out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprung up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and they were scorched, they, be, they had no root and they were withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, and others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And if you jump forward through to verses 18 to 23, it begins to explain what that parable means. So the first thing is, we all need a sower. We all need a sower. Who is sowing into your life? Who has access to your life? So for me, like Pastor Brian said, I've grown up in this church And then as I grew up, at some point, I had to make a decision and hear God about where I was meant to be. And I felt like God called me here. So therefore, if God has called me here, then my primary source, my primary sower are these guys and these guys and the people that they draw from. That's my source. So that question for me is resolved. It's not an issue. We all need to resolve that issue for ourselves in our heart. And a lot of our struggle resolves when we can resolve that issue. So we need that primary source and we need to know who it is. It's important to identify it because the person who is called to be a key sower in my life, they're probably the ones that are going to bring the most challenging words to me (laughs) over time. Because God will reveal to them things that are important in my life so that I can grow. That is the job that God has given them and that's the job that God's given my brothers and sisters in this house. So it's so important that we've resolved it because when the challenging word comes, our natural inclinations to flee. But if we know, hey, this is where I've been called, even if the word is challenging, even if the word is unsettling, and even if that word is uncomfortable, we can stay the course because we know, you know what, I know that this is hard and it's challenging, but I know that God has called me here, therefore I know that this word is good for me even though it is uncomfortable. Number two, there must be access into our life. So the sower is responsible for the quality of seed. The hearer is responsible for the quality of heart. So I've spent 30 years receiving really good quality seed and I know it is good quality seed. I don't need to travel and try lots of other places to know it. I know it from my own experience in my life and I know it from my friends' experience and people that have experienced other things and they say, this is really quality. It's a quality place, it's quality seed. So I know that we all access that high quality seed. When the sower sows the seed in this parable, the quality of the seed doesn't change depending on the location that it lands. The seed is the same. The difference is where it lands how it lands, what happens when it lands on the ground. So our life, your life, your heart, that's the ground. That is the soil. And it's our responsibility as we mature and we grow in Christ to be good ground. When the sower comes to see, to, the sower comes to sow, that our heart can receive the word. How we hear the word can speed up its harvest in our life. No. Just doing a quick time check. (laughs) So 
In verse 5 of the parable of the sower, it says, Some seed fell on stony places where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprung up because it had no depth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. So what it's saying is that the seed went and very quickly a harvest was produced. The issue was that there was no depth, so it couldn't remain. If you go forward into verse 20, it says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. That verse is giving us two keys. The first is how to receive the word, and it says it. It is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. When you receive something with joy, you activate the harvest in your life quicker. The issue was that there wasn't enough depth to sustain sustain that harvest. But I do want to talk about joy for a moment because joy is the right response. The seed grew quickly because it was received with joy. The issue was there was no root to allow it to grow strong. So I have some notes in my journal from a time that I went through that was really challenging and I was battling some stuff and it was just a hard, dark old time. And I just was really seeking God about something and he began to give me a revelation on joy. And I wrote those words down and I'm gonna, excuse me, read them out to you today because I believe it's a real key. Joy is more, excuse me, than an emotional feeling. Joy holds power. Emotions come and go depending on circumstances, but joy, it is the settled assurance that God is in control of my life. It is the quiet confidence that everything will work together for good. Sorry. And it is the deliberate decision to praise God regardless of what is going on around me. That is joy. It is the settled assurance that God is in control of my life It is the quiet confidence that everything will work together for good and it is the deliberate decision to praise God regardless of what is going on around me. Joy is an attitude. Joy is a position. Joy is a posture. Joy is a perspective. If we can receive the seed with joy, with hope, with faith, even when it's challenging, You are becoming a partner with that seed. Your life begins to partner with that seed and a harvest begins to unfold in your life. Number four, the word must begin to develop a root in your life. So you receive it with joy. You see the harvest start to strike. Something begins to happen. Now we have to begin to put the roots down in our life. It has to go deeper. The seed's got to find a deep root in our heart. So it can't just sit on the surface or the birds will come and eat it away. I wanna say avoid the temptation to uproot the seed before you've seen the harvest. I think this is one of the biggest tragedies sitting in church for long periods of time is you see people come and go and they leave before they've seen the harvest in their life and it's so devastating. It's so devastating. So avoid the temptation to uproot the seed. I want to tell you, my son, Elliot, is he there? (laughs) He had this fantastic business idea. He went with his dad 
around to his nanny's house (laughs) and he asked nanny, Ruth, if they could cut some rose clippings off her rose bushes. (laughs) So she helps him cut rose clippings off her own rose bushes And then him and Joel take them and they put them in a solution. They soak them in a solution and they plant them in some pots. And Elliot's business model is he's then going to sell them back to his nanny. (laughs) I'm like, it's it's brilliant. He's he's taking them from her house. He's going to multiply them at her expense and sell them back to her. Um, But it's so funny because... He has taken those things and those rose cuttings, they look like a dead stick in a pot. They look like that for a long period of time. And every week, Joel says to him, you need to go out and you need to water those clippings. And every week he goes out and he waters them and he waters them and he waters them. And the temptation for that boy to pull those sticks out and throw them away is high because it looks like nothing. And then one day you look and you see a little bud starts to form and you go, there's actually life there. There's life there. And you see the buds start to form and don't, don't be tempted to pull it out before it's taken root. If you, want to, if you want something to grow and explode in your life, you have to give it time and you have to give it attention. Um, okay, I'm going to run through three very, very practical, quick ways on how you can do that in your life. So how we can make our heart and our life good soil. So number one, priorities. When God is speaking, when you hear the word and you sense the season is changing, we have to begin to shift our life and our, our priorities to support that word. Priorities is a correct internal order that results in external outcomes. I think sometimes we find the area of priorities challenging because we're busy. And we are busy. Life is busy. We have kids, we have marriages, we have um, personal concerns, we have um, burdens that we're carrying. So when we hear shifting of priorities, it's challenging to us but it's actually an internal order. Our priorities, it actually is an internal government and that government, that order is what actually results in anything externally changing. So it starts internally. If you have the correct order in your heart and in your life, it will naturally support what God is doing in the house and the city. Give God your first fruits. I want to encourage you, the best way you can set the priorities right in your life is to give God your first fruits. Our first fruit is meant to flow back into the house. That is where it is meant to flow. So if your attitude and your heart is that I'm going to give God the first fruit of my skill, I'm going to give him the first fruit of my expertise, I'm going to give him the first fruit of my my business, I'm going to give him the first fruit of my life, I'm going to give him the first fruit of my effort and my attention. If you do this, he will multiply that thing back to you. I have seen it in my own life. When you give him the first fruits in an area of your life, God will multiply it back to you. Do not fear that you will not have the energy to do what you need to do because you feel like God is asking you to reprioritize. I guarantee if you reprioritize, God will multiply back to you everything that you need. We need to move from an attitude of appointment to assignment. 
Appointment is, I will do what I'm asked to do. Assignment is, this is our assignment together. And together, we will do whatever it takes to get the job done. It's a different attitude. It's a different mindset. Number two, our position. We need to change our position. Our position is twofold. One, it's our mindset. And two, it's our routine behaviour. Sometimes we can be very immovable. (laughs) I've been like this. When was the last time you asked God to reveal to you where your position needs to shift? I have felt like this is where God has been putting his finger on me lately. There's a military term, the hill you will die on. Have you heard of that? You know, people say, this is the hill I will die on. And it comes from the military, them saying, we are going to conquer this land no matter what the cost. Doesn't matter how many deaths, doesn't matter what cost, this is our hill. Be careful that the hill you want to die on is the right hill. I, sometimes I think, gosh, the hills that we're willing to die on can be a massive waste of time. Sometimes those immovable positions, our attitudes, our opinions, our beliefs, they're so fixed, they're so hard, it becomes like a hill we're willing to die on. Learn to just let that stuff go. Just let it go, give it to God, allow him to move, be movable, be um, able to be moved. And number three, last point really quickly is perseverance. All of us are handed different degrees of difficulty. It's not in our control necessarily, the difficulties that we come up against. But time is an equal opportunity employer. John C. Maxwell says that. Time is an equal opportunity employer and I like it. We've all been handed different struggles and different challenges, but God by his grace has given us an equal measure of time, an equal measure of free will and an equal measure of choice. So people that really leave their mark on the world, I think they're often the ones who just stick it out. You know, they're not always the, the only gifted people in the room. I've, I listen to a lot of business podcasts and read a lot of business books because that's just an interest of mine. The businesses and the companies that succeed, they're not always the most cutting edge companies. They're the ones that are prepared to persevere through the hard times and stick it out. So they push when everyone else is easing up. They look up when they're actually feeling down. And they hold on until something changes. I just want to say, hold on. Hold on to the word. Hold on to the seed. Build it deep in your life and stay obedient. If you can stay obedient to the word of God when the pressure comes, the heavens start to open up over your life. Something begins to happen. It's an attitude and it's a position of, I am going to stand my ground. I am going to persevere until I see this thing change, until I see this thing start to break. So keep going, keep pushing, don't back down, don't give up and you will see a harvest. And very, very briefly, I wanted to say a a great example that I had growing up of of not rooting out the word before it's taken root is my mum and dad. Um, I do not ever recall a time where we sat around the kitchen table or the lounge room and talked critically about what God was doing in the house They just never, sorry, they never allowed it. I never heard them 
ever talk ill of anyone else in this church, ever. Now, I'm not silly. I know that they had their struggles and they had their difficulties and they've had their issues. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. But the standard that was set in our home was that we never sat and criticised. We spoke highly and lovingly of each other and of what God was doing in the house. And if there was an issue, we were taught you go and you resolve it with your brother with love and compassion and kindness and you resolve it and you move forward. That is a pattern that they told us and I think it's something that is incredibly powerful because sometimes we root out the seed on the drive home from church because we're critical or we're challenged and we want to let it out because it feels good to let it out and agree with someone about it. I just want to warn you against that and say, if you can begin to hold the word and the seed in your life, if you can begin to position your life around that seed and behind that seed, and if you can begin to find true quality partnership with people around you, something will begin to open up and change over your life. And I just think it's amazing and powerful and and really exciting. So that is it. (laughs) 